Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, dedicated to making you a better seller. Recorded 4,827 miles across the Atlantic Ocean with Bobby Das from Houston, Texas, a father, husband, golfer, pilot, and tech seller. And Brian Evans, an expat in London, England, family man, 2X Ironman, and an ERP salesman. Both sharing tried and true sales strategies and providing free tools to make each week and campaign easier for you. They also answer your questions weekly. Now, here is Bobby and Brian. Hey, hey, Bobby. What's up, Brian? Well, we are starting a brand new series today. Uh, this is a three-part series. It's all about stretch projects. Bobby, this is something you know a little bit about, I'd say. I've done a few and I've assigned a few. I'd say so. So this is a three-part series. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, this is it's, We're going to cover a few different topics uh, over the course of the next three weeks. Uh, the first is going to be today's, and that's on positioning yourselves. Like what, what things do you need to be thinking about? How do, you, how do you get selected for it? How do you make sure you're in a position to execute well on a, on a stretch project? The, uh, the next episode in this series is going to be four ways to execute like a rock star. Uh, we've got a ton of tips here uh, from our own experience and for those from other people that we've uh, spoken with. And then the third part of the episode, episode, uh, series is their impact on our own career. So we're going to get kind of get deep into some projects that you and I have done over, the, over our career and kind of the inflection point it's had for us, uh, that kind of extra work we took on. And, and what it meant for us from a career perspective. That sound good? Sounds great. Let's go. And yeah, let's do it. Actually, first I want to I want to jump ahead because you may have noticed that we've got a bit more social media presence out there. We've got a little bit more listening going on. So if you have a recommendation on a listener's choice or a future series, we would love for you to reach out to us. Please do that. Uh, info at techcellshow.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter, Facebook. Um, we've got a, a better and more significant presence on YouTube as well. Uh, Bobby, real quick, I want to touch on uh, two listeners' choice series that we have coming up. This is specifically from people who have reached out to us and said, "Hey, I, you know, cover this topic for us." The first is job hunt. So uh, this is for a listener that was going through. Um, a job change. They were uh, laid off from their position. Um, and we found a great um, kind of article with a ton of good suggestions for that person. And we've already connected with them. So um, this isn't going to be news for him. This is something that's coming up uh, later from us. And then the second piece is the dreaded sales slump. We're in a we're in a really dynamic, changing, sometimes scary business. We all hit a sales slump. Uh, we're going to give you some advice on how to how to break out of that sell slump. Uh, and again, that was a question from a listener. So we would love your feedback as you listen to it, the show. Yeah, and I'll just second what Brian said. Please send these ideas in. We love, I think we like more the effort to write the episodes for you guys on the, on the other end of this podcast than us trying to come up with these quote-unquote series that we're, we're writing and authoring. So shoot us your ideas. We would re- greatly appreciate it. So, Bobby, I'd like to start off a new series with a quote. Uh, Mark Twain had a great saying, 20 years from now, you'll, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do by the ones that you did do. And I, I really do think, like, we, we invest so much time and energy in the workplace. And uh, when we look back on some of these stretch projects that we took on um, over the years, over the past decade, 20 years, 
I, I think we look back at them fondly. Sometimes they were, these were really challenging projects, but if we think back to the impact these had on our career, I think it can be pretty substantial. In fact, I think other than just absolutely nailing your job from a quota standpoint, year after year after year, there's really nothing more critical than than taking on a project that's more than just about you. No question. And I think it not we know it makes you a stronger rep, future manager, leader in role, all those all those things, but it shows people that you're able to take on more. And that's what every future gig, job, role opportunity will present to you as a as a contributor to the business. Yeah, and we always talk about the money side of things too, and the impact that a, a successful project could take on or a career change and how it's worth investing that extra time. I mean, these projects, while it could be something small, it could be something medium or very large, we're talking about projects that could have an impact for the next decade on your career. What is a couple weekends that you, you designate an early Saturday morning or an early Sunday morning to, to invest some time in helping the business. Um, so we're going to talk about that a bit uh, today. So the the first part of the series, as I mentioned, is about positioning yourself today, things to be uh, to, to be doing, things to be looking out for. Um, the next week, we're going to talk about uh, four ways to execute like a rock star. And then the final one is kind of these stretch packs, these stretch projects and their impact on our own career. So Bobby, let's, let's jump right into it. Um, I think the first thing to think about before you take on any work, and this may sound really obvious, but I, I, it's, it's really critical. The most recent series we finished outside of the listener's choices were around uh, the sales productivity series. And it's so critical to get yourself caught up and, and have a process in which you can repeat and keep yourself caught up uh, week after week, month after month before you try to tackle something uh, that's going to add extra work to your, to your plate. There's no doubt, and if you haven't heard that series, we highly recommend you go back and listen to it. The thought process is that you can't put more in a bucket if the bucket's already full, right? So get that bucket at a manageable level uh, so that you can add to it because there's no question that every stretch project is going to be more work for the individual that's taking on that stretch project. And what we hope to teach you over the next three weeks is that if that stretch project and you are managing that stretch project correctly uh, is, is a good one for you, then you should be getting a lot more out of it than just more work. Uh, so you shouldn't think of it as just more work. And I want to throw one thing in. You were talking a little bit about the money and went through the intro, so I didn't want to interrupt you. But one of the articles that I'm working on uh, right now for our for our blog is this article about I used to dig ditches for $60 a day. Um, the thought process is I really did used to dig ditches for $60 a day in August in Houston, Texas. Uh, obviously I was much younger and, uh, much skinnier, no doubt, (laughs) but I mean, that was a good day's work and that was a good wage back in those days. And I'm sure there's guys, I know guys that are doing something similar today, um, working for a much lower rate. And I, and I, I kid, but there's times where I can't get grown men that are making hundreds of dollars an hour uh on a on a grand scheme for a whole year to do some things that are going to impact their wallet in in the thousands of dollars and i think it's a mindset that we've lost sight of we're getting paid a lot of money to do some of these things so if it's two weekends that's going to earn you 
let's just say five more grand a year for the next 10 years, that's $50,000 for two weekends of effort. Um, it's hard to see it and know it and touch it now, but if you're doing the right things and you're managing those projects, well, you have a lot of coin on the line for these projects. So the worst thing you could do is get into one, be overwhelmed, not be caught up, and then do poorly as you took on that that uh, special project. I've seen it happen a lot with people, and um, it's a big reflection that looks very negative. It's the exact opposite of what you're trying to accomplish when you choose to take on one of these stretch or special projects. Yeah, I think you, I think we underestimate sometimes the effort involved in it. And maybe maybe it'd be good for us to set it up by talking about a few stretch projects that we've taken on in our career, um, just so we kind of set the tone for it. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll name a couple, and then love for you to name a couple too that you've worked on. I think um, for me at Microsoft early on, I was very focused on my broader goal, and this is I think how you should be thinking about what stretch projects you take on. My broader goal was to be a first line manager at Microsoft. Like that's all I could think about as a, you know, 20 something, early 30 something guy was I, I wanted to, to manage a team. Uh, and so, you know, you and I, you were the manager at, for part of that at least. And you and I would do a number of, um, of interview sessions and prep work. But one of the big stretch projects I took on was some extra coursework at SMU. I didn't get my degree at SMU. I got my degree at North Texas up in Denton. Uh, but I went to SMU for some management certification courses and uh, did that over the course of basically four months. And and for me, that was that kind of helped um, along with a lot of interviewing and work with you at, uh, to, to kind of help get me prepared. That helped me get equipped and ready for a first job in leadership. So some of the projects that I've taken on are these special assignments, I'll call them. I look at them as three sizes, small, medium, and large. And something small might be that I cover for my manager when he's out on vacation. Um, maybe he takes a week off. We've been working together. He gives me a shot at covering and, and understanding what it's like to be in his or her shoes for a week at a time. It's not going to be a long stint. It's not like a year. I'm not going to get to enjoy everything like annual reviews and those sorts of things. But I am going to get to experience what it's like to be a manager for a short period of time. A medium example that I might share with you would be something like covering for someone on maternity leave, a longer stint, two, three months at a time, where you really get to see not just the weekly meetings, but a monthly cadence, maybe even a quarterly cadence, and and really get to ingrain yourself in a day in the life of that manager. I got to have a stint that was multi-month as a business manager uh, for a great VP at Microsoft, and that gave me a lot of exposure to other executives, their working environments, their rhythms of the business, and really prepared me to be a better sales manager. Those are some good examples. I think when when you and I have talked about this before, you talked about it kind of being merit badges. Yeah, I'm a big believer that I don't know who taught me. I'll have to figure it out and give them credit one day. But I, I do believe that if you were in Boy Scouts, if you were in Girl Scouts, if you've ever been part of a club where you had to earn merit badges of some sort, um, it, it's a great way to think about what does a perfect you know, in my career at Microsoft, it was to be a regional vice president. That was the long-term end goal. When I finished my degree in that time frame, 
we had to write an article uh, for CIO magazine. We had to put ourselves on the cover of that magazine. And I did that. And, and I wasn't a CIO on the cover of that magazine. I was leading a billion-dollar business for Microsoft, which was about the role of central region vice president. But And that wasn't my next job, of course. But if that was my vision, and I was openly sharing that with others around me, they were helping me have those experiences that I would need to lead up to that, in essence, merit badges, uh, which took me down the pathway of being a business manager. I would have never thought that uh, understanding the business at that level was going to be critical to me as a VP of sales for a central region. But it probably gave me more insights into thinking about and seeing the business than most of the other little things I took on over that two or three year period of time. Then it was being a manager and participating in those activities, but also seeing my, my, I got to go and sit in on my vice president's business review. Lots of things that added up to continue to give me these executive uh, experiences that I was articulating in a, in a written summary about myself so that when I talked to other people, they would know, man, this guy's got a ton of experience. While only being a frontline individual single level manager, I had a lot of M2 experience, which in that world is a two-level manager, meaning I was managing managers, um, but actually never held that role inside of Microsoft. I think, so one, one thing people might not know <clears throat> that's really important for uh, an M1 or certainly an M2. Uh, so that, that's, that was a new term for me before Microsoft. M1 just means a manager of individual contributors. M2 means a manager of managers. I think what was surprising to me is how much emphasis is put on having a succession plan. That wasn't, it, that, that concept really didn't even resonate with me. So, you know, if, if it doesn't for you, know that it's something that your managers and your manager's managers are thinking about. So if getting into leadership, getting into a first line manager role or a second line manager role is important to you, if it's something that's, that is something that is meaningful to you, I think the utopia for you, something that you should be thinking up, uh, you should be thinking of and working towards is looking for a project that lines up with your broader goals, which, you know, getting into leadership would be one of those, of course. And then the second one is lining up with your company's goal, which is, is kind of being part of that manager succession plan. And Bobby, like you said, if you're, whether it's running a team meeting, covering for a manager while they're out, um, helping your teammates with evaluation plans, with follow-up, you know, follow-up emails with customers, like helping your team be more efficient at their job. The utopia is really lining it up with your own broader goals, your next step career goals, and lining it up with helping your company be more efficient. If you can strike that utopia, you're going to find a fun project to work on. What I think I would add to that point, Brian, is that the fun project that is the utopia has to be one that still helps you achieve what you are trying to achieve. It can't be that more work assignment. I keep wanting to go back to that. It's not just more work. It's more about your career and you moving forward to what you want to accomplish in your career. So once you find that utopia and it's part of what you're trying to accomplish is that broader picture, and maybe it's not a VP, maybe it's just a first line manager, maybe it's joining the partner community or joining the partner channel team, whatever that bigger, broader goal is, make sure that those are always adding merit badges and not duplicating merit badges. I think... I've seen it. I don't think I saw it in you at Microsoft, but I know I saw it in a couple of people who were really technical, who did the same technical stretch projects over and over on product launches. And they got almost 
you you see actors that do the same role over and over and again in, in in the movies or TV. They get typecasted into that technical expertise role, and they'll never be a people manager because they they never had those experiences. So don't duplicate your merit badges as well, uh, and you'll be surprised at how much how big that sash of merit badges can get. Yeah, let's talk about. <clears throat> I think, and we're, we're going to talk about this over the course of the series. Let's talk about over-delivering and having a plan for integration. I think this is almost, well, it's got to be as important, maybe more important than the actual project itself. I've seen some people take on a project and they will work their tail off on this project. It will have good alignment to their goals. It will have good alignment to the company's goals. And then they'll deliver the project. And I've even been guilty of this myself. <clears throat> but you'll del- you'll be so tired from building the project that your delivery of the project kind of lands with a little bit of a, a thud. It's not really taken on. So, Bobby, you had a really good stretch project um, that you took on. And I, I don't want to still thunder because we're going to talk about it a bit more in depth in the third series. But maybe you could talk about briefly when you built out. So so one, one thing that Microsoft was big on when you and I were there was building out the mid-market space. And there were only so many of us mid-market sellers, but there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of customers. So the problem you saw in the marketplace was, and correct me if I'm mischaracterizing this, one of the problems you saw in the marketplace is how do we scale ourselves and our technical um, solution consultants and technical people to deliver presentations for all these hundreds and hundreds of customers. So you kind of had a creative approach to that. And I thought that was a good example of of landing a stretch project really, really effectively. You want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. I'd love to talk about things that went well. <laughs> uh, and this one probably went pretty good. So I think one of the knocks that um, we've talked about for me in my early sales career and probably throughout was I have a tendency to be a lone wolf. I'll take on a project. I'll take on a stretch assignment. I will get others involved, but we end up doing it my way, and that that's sometimes good and sometimes bad. But I've always been taught and ta- and tried to be coached about scale and sharing these responsibilities. So um, I, I, prefer, I had a lot of different roles at Microsoft, but one role that I never had was a partner technology specialist. But I saw others do it, and I saw a million different ways of attempting to scale that role because, of course, everyone would love to talk to Microsoft if they like Microsoft and not talk to them if they didn't like Microsoft. But that partner technology specialist was probably the most sought-after phone call or resource between our partners and our customers because they had, they lived, eat, and breathed what we did at Microsoft every day, and, and they had the knowledge. So uh, I saw it as an opportunity to maybe virtualize that role and put it back into the partner community, finding a way to make partners not, steal customers maybe would be the right word from other partners but that they could each get a little bit of expertise in certain areas and we would use them Um, and through a lot of hard work with a lot of help from a lot of team members we ended up getting through legal where they had Microsoft badges they had Microsoft email addresses and they actually became business partners Um, I even became one after I left Microsoft and became a business partner to them so that I could evangelize some of their products and wares still but through that project I got to knock down a whole lot of scaling things. I got a whole lot knocked down a whole lot of legal things that we worked through, and I knocked down a lot of executive relationships within the partner community. And it was a thriving, to my last knowledge, up just a few years ago, it was still a thriving program 
uh, for Microsoft throughout the United States where they were using this virtual technology specialist role in the partner community to deliver speeches, content, and, and really deep dives on technology. Um, it all started with a, a small one-pager about how it was going to work. Yeah, and I think that's a good example of, of you know, to characterize your the different sizing. That's certainly on the large scale. Yeah, that was a big things. one. That was a big one. I think, I think the key learning from that is like you had the idea, and and what do they say about ideas? Everyone's got ideas. Everyone had everyone thought of Spotify before Spotify was uh, you know had the market cap of ten or twenty billion dollars, whatever it is these days. Did Al Gore invent Spotify? I think so. Okay. Along with the internet, yeah. it was the same the same year so. that he invented the internet. It it's it's one thing to come up with an idea of man, it'd be great to scale this business out. It's another thing to start building a plan to execute on it. It's another thing to get legal to sign off on it. That's surprising. <laughs> the uh, and then it's a whole other thing for it to be a to be a program that's being executed and that has it has staying power and is sustaining. Well, I think to add to that point. Um, and I, right, wrong, or indifferent, it, it comes natural, Brian, to us. And, and that's what I saw in you when you worked on my team. That's why we've worked together for eight years, nine years post that team. Because I think people that do things and get things done together stay together. But none of this stuff can be half-assed. Um, and, and every one of these things we've ever done, we've taken it above and beyond. Before we start recording today, you were talking about an opportunity that you're all in on, as if you need to be all in on anything. Um, you've got enough going on. Your, your exact statement prior to recording this today, which is in your off hours, um, in, on an expat assignment in London, England, was I'm reading five books. And I thought, who the heck reads five books at the same time? I can't even... I don't. I'm so ADD. I can't keep up with one book at the same time. But um, that's the way we approach each stretch project, each opportunity we get. We go all in, or we don't go in at all. And I know we'll talk about saying no later. But it is the approach, people. If you're listening to this, just because you take stretch projects on, you're not going to get the next job or the next promotion. Um, one day, a bunch of people are going to start asking me, "When are you referring to me?" But I have a coworker who's in my ecosystem <laughs> today who works harder than anyone. Uh, and I just don't think they're going to move past what they're doing today. And I've been candid and shared that with them so that they can put two and two together. They're stuck. They're so tight cast in a rut at the current role that they're in at the current company. They only have one way to fix that. And that's to break out of this current company because they'll never get away from it. And so they can take on stretch part and they just won an award internally that is like the same thing. They want a stretch project and they're just going to get another one. And they're still going to be tight cast. So go above and beyond, do, do the project, but do it like a thousand percent better than everyone else. Um, and make sure you know what it's contributing to your career and your next step and your bigger picture or don't do it. So I think that's a big differentiator that we're talking about. Like, I, I, a lot of people would have taken on that virtual technology solution specialist role thing, and a lot of people jumped on board as it started to form, right? Like a lot of people wanted to be involved in it because they could see the momentum. But it, it's the sticking with it and keeping it simple and not letting it run too far. I'm sure you've seen this, Brian, where a little thing becomes a really big thing and then it never lands, right? Well, that's yeah. probably the person that started the project project's uh, fault because they didn't follow through and didn't hold hold it to the right scale or size. 
but you have to be an over deliverer um, to be to be recognized as a great resource or an up and coming high performer inside of your company for sure. Agreed. <clears throat> I think just along the same lines, the the sponsor that you're working with is is critical. So I don't know if you have an example in the um, the virtual technical specialist that you were talking about. Having somebody that has impact and influence in the organization that would also be impacted by this somehow yep. professionally, I think that's a pretty critical thing too. What do you think? Well, of course, I first got those those PTSs, partner technology specialists in my local region, bought into the idea like, okay, how many presentations do you give a week and are you overloaded? And what if we programmatize this to get help, right? So they became the first champions inside of that uh, plan of attack, but I did. I, I worked with those those leaders inside of Central Region uh, pretty early on. I knew we could run it locally if we wanted to run it locally. We just wouldn't have that legal buy-in and all that other goodness that came with it later on. But if I had this, if I had the leadership team in Central Region bought in, then maybe legal would listen. They're not going to listen to me, but they may, may listen to a VP or someone who's running a billion dollars worth of the business at the time. Um, mm-hmm. And so they liked the idea. They wanted to see the ground roots effort continue to grow in my area. But as they did that, I, I did have sponsorship along the way. Um, and I kept not not asking for the credit, but giving them the credit. That's probably a, a pro tip that we'll, we'll share is, you know, it's yeah. their baby. It's not my baby. It's their baby. I just happen to be the one executing it. Even if it is solely your idea, give credit to the people that can help you the most uh, as long as it's not fake, all right? If you fake it, they'll know you're faking it. But but pass that credit on, and you'll be surprised what happens in return for that as well. So yeah. sponsorship at both the low level and the high level were very key to that side project for sure. It is, and I, you you got to pick the right sponsors too. You have to understand the political influences internally at your company to know what potential sponsors can help you and which ones have the best reach internally too, because if it's something that you want to have staying power, um, then you need someone that's got impact and influence broadly within the organization. Otherwise it's going to get stuck in a bubble and you may do a ton of great work. Um, but without some big time exposure to it, um, you know, it may not land as, as impactful as you'd like it to. So we've talked about a lot of things. Let's recast what we've talked about on the list so far, and we have three or four to go. So go back and listen to the Sales Productivity Series if you haven't heard that. Get your house and home in order before you take on a big side or special project of some sort. Make sure that this aligns to your broader goals. Um, as we discussed, kind of the merit badge approach towards that end game that you have or, or next big step you have in your, in your line of sight. Uh, make sure it lines up with the company's goals. Uh, be prepared to work really, really hard. Don't don't lose the part of your day job. Uh, don't drop the part of your day job that you're doing so good now to get these opportunities. Uh, make sure you're ready for the hard work and keep that job going. Over-deliver uh, and have a really good plan for integration of your project so that it actually lands and helps people in your organization or customers outside your organization. And choose those right sponsors. Brian, we have like three left. What, what's next on the list of agenda today? Yeah, I'd say look at individual contributor projects and management projects um, a little bit differently. So if you're an M1 already today, your M2 needs to scale. 
the manager of manager needs to scale. So they're going to be looking for good managers to be sharing between good managers. The the best thing you can be as as the best thing you can be thinking about in an M1 role is what's working well in your region and what's work what's not working well in your region. And sometimes these aren't just big massive projects. Sometimes these are just a bunch of of medium-sized projects, but it's all about how do you share best practices? What's working well? What's not working well? What new product lines? What new marketing campaigns are working? But an M2 is constantly concerned and thinking about, are my managers sharing best practices amongst each other? One thing I'll add here, uh, maybe another pro tip, what I did, and I, I think I got lucky the first couple of times and then I just continue to repeat it, but when I was advertising that I wanted to be a general manager or VP, then the first, obviously I had to become a manager first. So I started having opportunities to meet with other managers, um, sometimes virtually, sometimes at global meetings or conferences. But I would ask them, who's the best person on your team? I just want to reach out and, and learn from them. And of course, all those good employees wanted to share their thoughts and ideas um, with the, another high performing or up and coming high pro in another region. <clears throat> and so I would take all their goodness and share it with my team or exploit it in some way, right? Uh, but I always gave them the credit. Going back to giving them the credit, I always give them credit. Um, and I, I did that both at Microsoft many times over, and I did that at uh, EMC when it was still just EMC, and I was promoted and I was, became a first-line manager. Uh, it's hard to promote inside of EMC when you're merging with Dell. There was just so much chaos. But somebody had a good way of that they were working through and building their pipeline. And I exploited that. And I had a big pipeline pretty quick of people to join the team. Uh, and I got a lot of credit for turning that around. But I continue to give credit to the person that shared it with me. And they would still take a phone call from me today and, and help me on any problem I have in my career because I gave them that credit. I love it. I love it. I think, um, yeah, I think the sharing is a very underrated best practice <laughs> you know whether that's a whether you're using slack or you know chatter or any sort of you know sharepoint or anything like that i think if you can be a really good collaborator and sharer of best practices that's a very underrated um continual stretch project for you if you're known as the guy that shares things that work and things that don't work you're that's worth a lot of gold in most companies um, okay, so, so the second to last one we'll talk about real quick, Bobby, is um, talking, thinking about projects internally and externally. So internally, we've talked a ton, really exclusively about internal projects. But how about external projects, Bobby, like the Texel show? How do you think about, uh, you know, as it relates to your career, um, you know, at Dell EMC and for me at Workday Today, how do you think about things like the Texel show and how it impacts uh, you and your career? Very similarly, there's actually no difference. Uh, there's a bigger picture for Bobby and, and what I want in my, my world and my career and my life. And uh, forever, I've advertised as part of my career goals and career path with uh, managers and leaders. I want to be a public speaker. I've wanted to be a public speaker. I guess today, if you're listening to this, I am a public speaker. But um, I've always been pretty passionate about teaching and public speaking and uh, I've, I've told everyone that my end goal would be to travel the country with my wife and be paid to speak at sales kickoffs or other kind of things. Um, and that we collectively decided that this was one path towards that, to build an audience and to get to that point. Um, while I, while 
we don't make a ton of money doing the tech sales show for sure. It has introduced us to people all over the country, all over the world who have interest in learning more about our technical sales experience and helping their sales team. So it's a, it's a starting point, but it's still towards that bigger picture. And I can do some of that at Dell EMC. I can do some of that through the tech sales show. I can do some of that on the own, on my own. Um, but another really good example outside of this, this venture that we're doing is we did a lot with Habitat for Humanity when we were at Microsoft. So we would do a lot of external charity work and that charity work was both fulfilling. It, it taught people around you what good looks like. Uh, and I wouldn't rule out those things as really good ideas for people to do, to think about external projects to do with their team. Be a little careful on uh, religion and other things that you might stub your toe on, but uh, you you probably can't go wrong if you if you pick a a general charity in that in that light. Yeah, I like it a lot, and I echo those same sentiments. So there's been a lot of great, very intended consequences for the Tech Sales Show. There's been a lot of great unintended consequences for the Tech Sales Show around just um, around just speaking in general um, of of preparing for presentations. I think it's uh, it's certainly improved. Uh, my performance there. Uh, and then finally, Bobby, before we wrap up, when do you decide uh, how to say no, when to say no, when you're, you know, obviously if you don't have, you, you, we talked about kind of having your house in order is a critical uh, first decision, but uh, are there some cases where you've said no uh, to taking on a stretch project? There's no doubt. And uh, while we pretend our house is always in perfect order, we keep making those same mistakes and being too busy and taking on too much. Um, We might be recording this episode with not a whole lot of time left before we have to post one on the interwebs (laughs) for you guys to listen. But for me, I would say it it was hard early on because I knew what doing more work and, and seeing more people and being connected with more people would mean to my career. But now... It's a, I'm at a different stage, and everybody's going to be at different points. But one piece of advice I wish I could give my 30-year-old self was only do it if I could say, heck yeah. And uh, that came from a Tim Ferriss podcast episode where uh, I think he was interviewing um, Seth Rogen maybe. But either way, whoever it is, if you can't say heck yeah to the opportunity you have presented in front of you, I would say take it off the list. If you can say heck yeah – then the next piece is it's really got to be driving towards some goal or outcome that you want to have, right? That could be both personal or professional. Um, I could give a million examples about why something at the flight school and flying would be a heck yeah and something that would help me that wouldn't have anything to do with sales. So make sure you understand that it doesn't always have to be just towards your career, but say heck yeah and then be knocking down something that's going to make you better in the future. Uh, that, I definitely would say yes to that. And then almost everything else now at this stage in my career, I'm going to say no to it um, because it's probably not going to be worth my time and effort. Uh, we're all at different points in that, but that's probably my two two watermarks for saying yes to something. I love it. I love it, Bobby. I think on that we should wrap up the uh, the episode. Uh, so that's great advice. If you can't say heck yeah to it, um, then you're not going to be able to give your full effort to it. You're not going to deliver the project in the way that it needs to be delivered in. So that's great. Uh, finishing up advice as we wrap up episode number one for series seven on stretch projects. Join us next week for the second part of this series, uh, which is really all going to be about four ways to execute this project like a rock star. As we talked about at the top of the episode, please uh, tweet us, 
hit us up on Facebook, YouTube. We'd love your feedback. We'd love your input on upcoming series. Our um, our Facebook page and Twitter page is at Texel Show. And you can find us at TexelShow.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show with Bobby and Brian. Subscribe to their email list by going to bobbyandbrian.com and follow them on Twitter at Bobby Brian Sales.